Well, good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you here today. My name is Pastor Brett, and uh, so good to have you with us. So good to have everyone watching online today. And so, um, <laughs> Sierra, can you grab my Bible? <laughs> I don't, it's in my office. It's the little black one. I think it's on my desk. Okay. We're going to talk about being prepared <laughs> for life. <laughs> no, we are, we're currently in a series about the Great Commission. And, um, and so how many of you know that we're called? We're called to share Jesus and to make disciples. How many of you know that you are qualified to share Jesus and make disciples? How many of you know that you are the church? Thanks, CD. You are the church. How many of you were the church this week? Two or three of you. Okay, that's... Okay, so we have a little work to go here, but, you know, we're getting there. Let's be encouraged. Um, how many of you know this? How many of you know that Jesus is the greatest soul winner of all time? Absolutely. And, and today, what I want to do today and the next couple Sundays, I want to look at how Jesus wins souls so that we know how to win souls for the Lord. Does that sound okay? So we're going to begin, we're going to, we're going to look in John chapter 4, John chapter 4, you go ahead and turn there with me in your Bible, okay, and I'm going to read the story of the woman at the well, Okay. So John chapter 4, we're going to have it on the screen for you as well. John chapter 4. I think it's always good to have, have your Bible with you. Um, it's always good to hear those pages turn and, and see the Word of God. I have to raise my glasses when I read because I'm getting old. Okay. So John chapter 4. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Okay. And, and let's read the story here of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jesus, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Why, would, why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift of God, the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to. You would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his, and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, 
Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've, been, you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes from the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why were you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. We're going to go on to verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. When they came out to him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear this message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe. Not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. Isn't Jesus awesome? Amen. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you, Lord, for for your faithfulness. I thank you for your presence today. I thank you for loving on us as as we worshiped you, for ministering to us, for being with us, for speaking to us. And God, I pray that you continue to to speak to us, continue to be with us. As we hear the word of the Lord, God, I pray that we will hear the word of the Lord today in Jesus' name. And not just be hearers of your word, but we're going to be doers of your word, that we're going to respond to the call and the leading and the voice of the Holy Spirit, whatever it is, that we're going to respond to the call today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about four things that that Jesus did here in how to win people to faith in Christ. And so John chapter 4, verses 3 to 4 says, He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Okay, so geographically, Jesus never 
needed to go through Samaria to get to Judea, uh, to get from Judea to Galilee. Okay, in fact, most Jews would go around Samaria because the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. We're going to talk about that in a minute, why. And the Jews were equally hated by the Samaritans. So if you were a Jew, no one needs to go through Samaria. Okay, but the reason I believe Jesus needed to go through Samaria was because God told him to. That Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. Is that true? He would only go where God tells him to go. And so I believe the Holy Spirit absolutely was saying, you need to go through Samaria because there's someone there that I need, I, I, that I need you to talk to that needs to know me. And so specifically through Samaria, specifically to this well and specifically to this woman. And so the first thing we can learn from Jesus in how to share Christ, number one, is we need to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. We need to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And so that means this encounter with the woman at the well was not by chance, but this was a divine appointment. God wanted this woman to have an encounter with Jesus. God wants people to have encounters with Jesus through you and through me who represent Jesus, who represent Christ. I believe God has divine appointments set up every day in our lives so people can encounter and meet Jesus. Is that true? <laughs> I love it. But in order for us to keep those appointments, we need to be intentional to daily ask God, what's my schedule today, Lord? Show me my, show me my appointments today, Lord. Right? Who needs to meet Jesus today? God, fill me and lead me. Let me be salt and light today. Let people see Jesus in my words and in my actions. Use me today, Lord. Today use me to bring people closer to you. See, we need to be willing participants. We need to be willing to learn, sorry, willing to listen and willing to obey the Holy Spirit. John 4, 35 the story we just read, Jesus said the fields are ripe with harvest. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 2, uh, Jesus says the harvest is great. Other translations say the harvest is plentiful or it's huge or it's abundant. So there, there are many people ready to come to Jesus. The harvest is ripe. But he says the workers are few. You know, we got over 8 billion people in the world right now. 8 billion. And, and they say there's about 1 billion of those 8 billion are Christians, are believers in Jesus. And so for argument's sake, let's just say that's true. That there is a billion believers in the world, a billion people that love Jesus. So help me with the math there. If there's a billion Christians, 
and there's 8 billion people in the world. How many people does each believer need to reach and share Jesus to reach the entire world for Jesus Christ? How many? Okay, you know what? I was going to say eight, but then I'm hearing seven, and actually, because you don't count the billion, that, yeah, so there's just seven billion. Okay, well, you know what? This is why I ask for help. This is, you think I'm challenging, I just actually don't know the answers. So, so if each person reaches seven people, which is one Less than I thought it was. Standing up here, I've got eight in bold and underlined. If every person person reaches seven people for the Lord, this whole world is 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 evangelized. So so when when Jesus says the workers are few, I don't think he's saying that there's not enough workers. Because there's plenty of workers, but there's not enough willing workers. We need to be willing to share Jesus. I want to say that one more time. We need to be willing to share Jesus. If you're not willing, that's okay. Just pray for the heart of God. Pray for a heart that is full of God's love, full of compassion, and full of anguish for the lost. Ask God to fill you. I think we need to understand this too about divine appointments. Divine appointments are not always gonna end in you leading someone in a, in a sinner's prayer. Okay? And so if, if, we have, if we have that thought, then we're going to be disappointed after every divine appointment. Okay, but a divine appointment might just be uh, getting, get, getting past the surface level conversation with someone. It might just be talking about real heart and life issues. Right? A divine appointment might just be an opportunity just to show the love of God by just loving on somebody. That might be a divine appointment. Right? A divine appointment certainly might also be you sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. A divine appointment might also be you just praying with someone who is in need. Right? A divine appointment could just be giving someone some encouraging and kind words. How many people are there in the world that think that they're alone? But when you give them that kind word and that encouraging word, it just... It just tells them, wait a second, someone sees me. That I'm not just going through this life without hope and and that nobody cares. But wait a second, someone actually does see me. That God sees them and cares for them, that they're not alone. Maybe your divine appointment might be as simple as as a kind action of holding the door open for someone. Just to tell them that they matter. That could be a divine appointment. 
But listen, every divine appointment, every appointment that's from the Holy Spirit, it's one more seed planted. It's one more testimony that God is real and that God is love. It's one more tug. It's one more tug of of the Holy Spirit tugging that person's heart. It's given them one more step towards Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have people in your life that you are praying for and you're believing for, maybe you're weeping for, that don't know Jesus, that are not living for Jesus? How many of you? Isn't it so heartening to know? Isn't it so wonderful to know that God is setting up divine appointments every day for that person? Every day, God's setting up appointments. How many of you want those believers to be willing to share Jesus? I wonder how many of those believers are so wanting you to be willing to share Jesus to their loved ones that don't know the Lord. What if we were a church that was willing to share Jesus? What would happen? What would happen? Lives would be changed. Hope would be restored. This world would be transformed with Jesus. Something else I think that's important for us to see here is that that Jesus doesn't know this woman. He hasn't spent days and months and years cultivating a relationship or a friendship with this woman. But that didn't stop him from from sharing the good news. And and I I think what the church has done in this is my opinion, but I think, we, I think maybe we've bought into the idea that the only time, the only time, and maybe we're justifying our inaction a little bit, but I think we've bought into the idea that the only time we can share Jesus with someone is, is if we've befriended them and we know them and we've had barbecues with them. And don't get me wrong, it's important to build relationships with people because people matter and because God loves them. And certainly people are going to be more willing at times to receive from someone they trust and someone they know that loves them. Okay, But how many of you know that we don't just have relational authority, but we also have spiritual authority? Right, And so that includes the qualifications that we talked about last week. You're an ambassador of Christ. You have the greatest message ever. And you've got the Holy Spirit to empower you to tell that message. Okay, So we have those qualifications. But, but we also have spiritual authority, authority whenever the Holy Spirit leads you to share Jesus with someone. And, and, and if he does that, whether you know that person or not, you have just as much right to speak into their life as a person that you've known for 30 years. Okay, because both of those people need to be saved and the Holy Spirit gives you that authority in his leading. And it's kind of just, when you think about it, it's kind of just common sense, right? Like, like if you see someone drowning in a lake, right, we're not going to first look. Oh, I, I don't know that guy. Good luck. <laughs> right, we're not going to... 
We're not, we don't need to know the person <laughs> to go and save that person, do we? Right? Okay. <laughs> I'll pray for you. <laughs> okay. So number one, we need to pay attention to the Holy Spirit and be willing to listen and obey the Holy Spirit. Number two, um, the second lesson here in Jesus' evangelism is in who Jesus shares the gospel with. Jesus, number two, Jesus is willing to share the gospel with anyone and, and everyone. Okay, so this story takes place, it says, in the sixth hour of the day. So the sixth hour of the day, if the day starts at 6 a.m., it's about 12 noon, okay? And so this is significantly later in the day for someone to be drawing water out of a well. Okay, so this woman is, didn't go during the time when other women from her town would be at the well drawing water, which would be in the morning when it's the coolest. But this woman's by herself in the heat of the day drawing water. And, and, and we learn from Jesus why, Okay. This woman's been divorced five times, and she's living with a man now that is not her husband. Okay, so in her community, this woman would have been judged an outcast. She would have been an outsider. When, when she walked by people, they would have murmured and gossiped and giggled when she walked by. Okay, that, that's who this woman is. Okay, and so to the people of her town, they just saw her sin and her past. But that's not who God sees. People in the world might just see your sin in your past. But that's not what God sees. God sees his precious child. And so God so loves this woman and God so values this woman that he sends Jesus himself, the son of God, to speak to her one-on-one. Out of the thousands of people in the, in the nation of Samaria, out of the thousands of acceptable people, God sends Jesus to her. He demonstrated his love for her that while she was still a sinner, he sent Christ. Does that sound familiar? Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still Sinners, Christ died for us. We're no different than this woman. We were all outcasts because of our sin, but then God so loved us and God so valued us. Hallelujah. But when the, when the disciples came back, they're, they're surprised, right? They were, they were surprised to see Jesus talking to this woman. They, they never would have suspected that, that Jesus would be sharing or engaging with this woman. And, you know, I think, I think that represents a lot of us. I think we need to change our thinking about who we're willing to share Jesus with and who God is, is, wants us to share Jesus with. You know, I would guess that if I asked you to just kind of just close your eyes and, and picture yourself, uh, you know, sharing Jesus with someone... I'm going to guess that the person that you picture looks a lot like you. Same social class, same ethnicity, same interests, same family dynamics. 
But if we're, if we're not expecting to share Jesus with anyone and everyone, I think we're going to miss the appointment. You know, on, on Friday, um, I was coming home from the church, and I, I started to, to, to ask the Lord. I said, God, please give me opportunities to share Jesus. And Friday night, that night, I'm, I'm parked. Uh, <clears throat> I, I, go to, I'm go, I, I go to Luther College High School. I'm going to a basketball game there to watch a game. So I'm parked in the parking lot. I'm about to get out. And there's a knock on my window. And there's this, this big uh, six foot seven, six foot eight black guy from the Sudan. And, and uh, you know, I roll my window down a little bit. Yes, can I help you? No, I was kidding. So I roll it down. <laughs> and so, so, you know, and, and he's having some car trouble. And, and so um, he asked if I could come because he's new to the country and he's not familiar with cars and he's, he's, he shared his, you know, his um, disdain for winter with me. And, <laughs> and so I went and I, you know, I tried the car and, you know, I, I just determined with all of my car knowledge, which is this much, that he was, he was out of gas. And so... I say, hey, why don't you come with me and let's get some gas. And so, you know, I'd have to be, you know, pretty dense to not realize this is what, this is what I was praying for. <laughs> right? And so he comes with me in my car and we have a good connection. And I say, hey, I know someone from the Sudan. Right? How many of you know Mian? Piok. Right? Mian's not here. And so we connected, we start talking about his tribe and start talking about Mian's tribe and how they used to fight. And I said, hey, if you met me and my friend Mian, would you fight him? And, uh, and, <laughs> and he said, no, 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 that's just, you know, that was a long time ago. I said, okay, because I'd kind of like to see that. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> Mian's not here and we're talking about him, so this is great. And, uh, but anyway, and so... You know, we, and then we talked a little bit about God and a little bit about church, but I think mostly that, that appointment is just about loving on someone and making that connection. But I wonder, I wonder if, like, like he's not the same as me, right? He's, he's six foot seven. He's, he's a different ethnicity. He is a single guy. He's 25 years younger than me. And I wonder if I hadn't asked the Lord for that opportunity, if I would have missed that appointment if I wasn't expecting it. Because when I woke up in the morning, I never thought, hmm, I wonder if I'm going to be sharing Jesus with a 6'7 guy from the Sudan. I wouldn't have thought that. Do you know what I'm saying? So, but if we're praying and we're, we're intentional and we're willing and we're expecting to share Jesus with anyone and everyone, then I think we're going to make those appointments. But I wonder who are the people in your world that you just, wouldn't, you just wouldn't suspect that God would have you share Jesus with them. Just think about it for a minute. Who are those people in your world? Because, because they're there. <laughs> you know, what about your boss? Have you ever thought of you might share Jesus with your boss? What about your teachers? 
What about, what about someone who has a lot of money or who has a high social status or who's, very, who's more intelligent than you are? Would you, would you suspect that God would have you share Jesus with that person? Sometimes we think, well, no, they're smarter than me or they're better than me, right? That's what we think in our, our carnal mind, Right? What about, what about homeless person? What about someone who's much older than you? What about someone from the LGBT community? What about someone of a different religion and a different race? What about the Palestinian or the Muslim that you work with? What about them? Right? And the truth is, we need to be ready to share Jesus with everyone because everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. Okay, I'm not going to say that. I have a silly illustration. I'm not going to say it. Okay, moving on. Okay, so the third lesson, number three, and, and we get this lesson from the conversation that Jesus had with her. Number three is share Jesus in grace. Jesus was speaking to this woman, and she, he was coming from a place of grace, okay? And so three things real quick that he, that, that how he did that. Number one is Jesus met her where she is at. That's, that's grace. That's gracious. Not to try and bring someone up to your level of spirituality, but he met her where she was at, right? And, and so he starts the conversation by talking about water. They're, they're at a well. He literally is meeting her <laughs> where she is at, right? He's aware of his surroundings, and he's connecting with her in a practical way on, on, on her level in her daily life. And you know what? He doesn't begin with, you know, good morning. Have you been washed in the blood of the lamb? <laughs> how, how does that sound to an unchurched person? You're asking me if I bathe in the blood of animals? You weirdo. Okay, and, and, and that's my point is Jesus was not weird. And, and not to sound too judgy, but we got some weird Christians out there. We don't have to be weird. Jesus had favor with God and favor with man. He didn't make people feel uncomfortable or awkward. He was relatable. He could relate to her. Right? When were you baptized in fire? What? What are you talking about? But he talks about something that she understands so that she could uh, understand something deeper. Right? Number two is Jesus, in this conversation, Jesus acknowledges her sin. But he doesn't condemn her for it. He acknowledges sin, but he doesn't condemn. Okay, because that's not what Jesus came to do. John 3, 16 and 17. And I'll just read verse 17 there. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so Jesus acknowledged her sin, but it was so she could acknowledge her need of a savior. That's why we need to acknowledge sin. We don't have to be afraid to talk about sin. 
Sin is an important part of the gospel. That's what makes the good news the good news. Right? It's the good news is that we've got a way out of our sin in Jesus. That we can have a relationship with a holy God because of what Jesus did on the cross. That he paid the punishment for our sin. That he took all of our sin to the cross. That we can be forgiven and cleansed of all unrighteousness because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's the hope. That's the future we have because of Jesus. So it's okay to talk about sin, but not to shame or judge or blame or accuse or point, but to bring hope. And here's the third one, is Jesus didn't argue with this woman. Please hear this. Effective evangelism does not include arguing. It's not about trying to be right or win an argument or try to present all this information like, like you're a lawyer in a courtroom. Right? And, and actually, this woman said three different things that were meant to incite an argument. And I don't think she was trying to incite an argument, but this is what the enemy does. The enemy tries to incite an argument because if we're arguing, that breeds strife. And that breeds hard hearts. And that breeds rejection of the gospel. Okay, but there's three common ploys, three common arguments that, that the enemy uses. And the first one in verse 9 is race. She says, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Um, <clears throat> sorry, that was it. A Samaritan woman. Okay, and so the first thing that she brings up here is race. And remember I said the, the Jews and the Samaritans do not get along. Okay, and, and so at one point Israel was separated into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was attacked by the Assyrians uh, in, in the eighth or like seven, 700 years or so before Jesus. And so what the Assyrians did is they intermarried with those Jewish people. Okay, and so now the Jews... And that created the race, that created Samaritans. And so now the Jews look at the Samaritans and say, oh, they're half-breeds. They're not actually Jews, right? They're defiled. Okay, so there's, there's just this, this uh, hatred between Jews and Samaritans. Um, but Jesus never even addresses it. He doesn't even address it, right? Race is a man-made barrier, not a god made barrier. God made one race. What's the race? It's the human race. He made one race. It's the human race. Okay? And so Jesus understands that, that he's not talking to a race. He's talking to a soul. And that's all he cares about is the soul. That's what God cares about. The second thing is reason. So race, the second thing is reason. So verse 11, you have some... She says, you have nothing to draw with. Where do you get that living water? So she's, she's talking about natural things. Jesus is talking about spiritual things at this point. And so it's that spiritual level versus a natural level. And so what the enemy does is he tries to bring things to a natural level to confuse and to incite argument against the spiritual things. Right? And you're sharing Jesus and you're sharing your, your testimony with someone. And they say, well, what about dinosaur fossils? Right, and, and so 
you know, and I'm not going to get into this, but there's lots of evidence that supports dinosaurs and creation in the Bible. But, um, but it, it's just that, it's just that um, the enemy's trying to hijack the conversation. He's trying to hijack the conversation into an argument. The third one is religion. In verse 20, she says, uh, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. See, religion's another man-made barrier. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. Christ is God's attempt to get to, to man. And so when we share Jesus, we, we just focus on relationship with Jesus. Religion is not inspiring. How would you agree with that? Religion is not inspiring. Jesus is inspiring. Look at Titus 3.9. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law. For they are unprofitable and useless. So let's look at that. Foolish disputes. What could that be? That could be reason. Genealogies. What would that be? Race. Strivings about, contentions and strivings about the law. What's that? That's religion. Right? Religion is being tied up and bound to the law. Right? Don't fall for that. Jesus didn't argue. Soul winners don't argue. And here's the last lesson. Here's the last lesson. Number four. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Remember, you represent Christ, the anointed one, the one who lives and functions in the power of God. Okay? So in this story, Jesus knows intimate details about this woman that he's just met. How could he possibly know that she had five husbands and the man she's living with um, is not her husband? Okay, Jesus was able to do that because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 1.8. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to testify about me with great effect. What's the purpose of the empowering of the Holy Spirit? So we can testify with great effect. So we can be witnesses. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11 talks about the spiritual gifts that God empowers us with so that we can testify with great effect. Right? It talks about a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, to another faith, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, all by the Holy Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. And in the first verse it says the manifestation is given for the common good. So what happened here is in this moment at the well, the Holy Spirit gave Jesus a spiritual gift. He gave him the gift of knowledge, the divine strength, the supernatural ability to bring clarity to understand situations, circumstances, and people. 
So Jesus was given divine power to know intimate details about this woman's life to help bring her to salvation. And that's the main purpose of all the gifts, to, to witness, to, to share Christ, to make disciples of Jesus, and certainly to build up the church. Right? It's to make us soul winners. So through Jesus' witness, this woman comes to faith in Christ because he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And she goes to her town, and she can't help but tell people about Jesus. And then they meet Jesus, and they're going to go, and they're not going to be able to help but tell people about Jesus. And that's what happens. That's what happens. And that's what God wants. He wants to set up divine appointments. He wants, us, he wants the people in our lives to encounter Jesus so that their lives can be changed forever. Hallelujah. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. Are you ready to go share Jesus? My prayer for you this week, my prayer for you this week is that everyone in this room, everyone in this room this week, this week, is going to meet a woman at the well. Every one of us. That we're going to have a divine appointment to share Jesus. So let's be ready. Let's be ready. Let's pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's be ready to share Jesus with anyone and everyone. Let's be full of God's grace and full of God's power. Does that sound good? Amen. Let's invite our worship team forward. And so the way we're going to end our service today is we're going to sing another song. And this gives you an opportunity just to respond to whatever God's telling you in your heart. Just have a conversation with the Lord. You know, you can pray, you can sing, you can stand, you can do whatever you like. But just engage with the Lord. And, and let's respond to that voice. Let's respond. Right? What's God telling us today? Let's not just be hearers of the word. Let's be doers of the word. Amen.